Uh, well, good morning, everybody. My name's Tom. I'm the senior pastor here at Eastridge, and we are closing up a series called Identity Crisis today. And Identity Crisis is built off of the book of Ephesians, and it's about effectively establishing identity. And as we've been working through the first, uh, explaining the book of Ephesians each week, I say it's basically Ephesians is broken in half. The first half of it is describing who you are in Christ and establishing and firmly planting your identity in him. And the second half is the consequences of that are now how then must you live? If, if you are what scripture says you are and you are a child of God and you are firmly believing in that, that then should impact your behavior. What happens a lot of times is we flip that and we think that our behavior can impact our identity or who we are in Christ when in reality it's who we are in Christ is what impacts how then we should live. And, you know, what happens then if you do this and if you live this life of faith is what the last half is. Then we get to the very end. And today we are going to be um, in Ephesians chapter 6. And this is a, a warning that comes from Paul. And in this warning, he's going to basically say, hey, if you're going to live this life, if you're going to live this faith, you're going to stand out. You are going to be unique. You will be noticed. And that's not always going to be fun. That's not always going to be a yay, Christian, yay, Jesus type thing. There's going to be issues that will come. And you have to be prepared for those, and you have to be ready for those. So this letter is a prison letter, and I explained this uh, earlier. What's kind of remarkable is Paul is so powerful as a, an apostle is because he can't just be killed. Uh, like some of the other uh, apostles, uh, they will get like thrown on islands and exiled. Uh, they will get martyred. Paul is, as a Roman citizen, he is very unique in that part of the rules as a Roman citizen is you always get a trial. You at least get a trial. That's why all of his letters, primarily, he's writing them from jail, awaiting a trial. Everybody else they would have just killed. But Paul is a nuisance, and he eventually will just keep continuing to write these letters from prison. And he, as he's like in Ephesus, sometimes he'll get run out of town. Uh, he's in other places. He'll get run out of town. He'll establish churches. And then eventually he gets caught and like thrown in prison because he's preaching, you know, against Caesar. And that's what ultimately what lands him in these places. So he's writing this encouraging letter to this church in Ephesus, and he's giving them a warning shot. And so in verse 10, we're going to begin. He says, finally then, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I'm in, I'm in chains in jail. Pray that I stay fearless because this is real. This is what's happening, and I don't want to start watering down this gospel, or I don't want to start like making it you know, not be as bold as I used to be, because this is, this is real. But I want to begin with the concept of struggle. And we have you know, struggles in, in this life, and also an eternal struggle. And I was trying to think you know, of you, know, you have simple struggles, things that are just kind of annoying. Um, and it's sometimes easier to find struggles uh, in other people. So I was thinking of Lindsay and what she struggles with. Um, this is always a good idea, husbands, to use your wife as a sermon thing. Um, yeah, I know. Um, so Lindsay has a really hard time opening jars of pickles, right? This is a struggle. This is a personal, mighty struggle that I heroically, right? can sometimes come in, swoop in, and save the day, right? And after she has obviously weakened the seal and yada, yada, that's the, usually the complaint. But I come in and can open it and I can rescue her. That's a simple, annoying, foolish struggle. Um, I, what, what another struggle I was thinking of, we have, and I don't know why we don't just throw them away, we have these uh, bed sheets where the fitted sheet won't stay on. You know, like in the middle of the night, you just find yourself just cocooned, and, and that is just an annoying struggle. Okay, that's one side of the equation. And then we also, that, and that, those struggles begin to scale to major struggles. You know, you might struggle with, um, with lust. You might struggle with, with greed or always wanting more. You might struggle with... Um, control or overcompensating or trying to, you know, move up the ladder and step it on some people at work and you might struggle with fear. You might struggle in, you know, those types of things. Eventually you struggle with major pride. You might struggle in major sin. That's not what he's talking about. So in verse 12 he says, those are real but our real struggle is not against flesh and blood. Not, you know, it's not the pickle jar to you know, lust and sin. Those are real, but our struggle, the real struggle, is against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So before I can even begin to discuss or try to teach you what the concept of the armor of God is, I have to initially ask you the first question of, uh, let's go back to verse 11. Put on this armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that is real? That the adversary is out there? That there is an enemy? That we have an enemy? And because if you don't believe that, then you don't need any armor because the, well, there's no enemy. But if we believe that there is an enemy that is launching arrows at us, then we must then take Paul's advice seriously. 
But far too many of us uh, inside the church and outside the church don't even believe that there is an enemy to begin with. There's bad luck, there's, you know, frustrations, there's coincidence, there's things that just didn't go your way, um, and there's not the adversary whispering in your ear trying to pull you back away from your faith. So if we believe this, then I can begin to teach what the armor of God is in the first place. Because, yeah, A, I believe this. I have been in rooms where I can see this. And it's not like the movies all the time. You know, if Satan were as easy to identify as, you know, man with red pitchfork going, yeah, all that, or, you know, the Satan on one side and an angel on your shoulder, we've convinced ourselves that that's the image. Like, ah, nobody's ever seen that. Actually, the adversary is very alluring. It is someone that we would listen to. Someone that we would say, yeah, I see what you're saying. That's how, you know, the beginning, that's the fall with Adam and Eve, and then all the way through Scripture, we have kind of the gentle nudging and the gentle pushing. So if, if we, our identity, if our identity is found in Christ, and if we live differently, we will stand out. And if we stand out, we will be attacked. So those, that's kind of the natural progression. And one of the things that we love to ne- not ever do is stand out. So what do we do with that? We begin to water the gospel down, make it consumable, make it not as offensive sometimes, not, not exclusive at all. And eventually, we move ourselves back into the pack. You ever see those um, nature kind of documentaries, and there's like a gazelle out by himself, and you're like, here we go right? Something is going to come out of the grass and begin chasing this thing around. And there's a, you know, commentator kind of saying what's going on. And, and, but the question is, is why is it attacked? It's because it's alone. It's apart. It is identifiable. And so when we take a, take these, you know, take this gospel seriously, you will be identifiable you will be exposed. You're one of those Christians. You're one of those church people. And when we're exposed, we have a a question that we must answer. Am I willing to stand out here and take these hits? Or will I slowly work my way back into the crowd? What Paul is warning about here is, if you do this, you're going to take hits. Get ready for the battle. Far too many of us are walking into this battle without any of this armor on. And so when he's talking, when in verse uh, 13, he says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able, I want you to, to watch the, the, the repeated word. You have done everything to stand. To be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, in the next verse is stand firm with the belt of truth. Take your stance. Sometimes when we think of battles, we, uh, I think of like Braveheart or, or Lord of the Rings, like, you had, like people just coming out of the woods and like they just meet in the middle of a field and just start hitting each other. He's using this language of just like, just stand. Stand firm with this belt of truth buckled around your waist. What's the first thing the enemy will attack? What's truth? You don't know the whole truth. What about my truth? 
with this breastplate of righteousness in place. So that you have this, he's giving you this image, and he's been using the image of the body throughout the book of Ephesians. And this is kind of his finale. He uses this uh, armor of God imagery in other places through his letters as well, but here he really fleshes it out. And he says, with this breastplate of righteousness in place, stand with your feet fitted with the readiness. So you gotta get ready, but stand from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Why? Because arrows are coming. Arrows are coming in. Like you'll see those big like those scenes where the arrows are flying in. You have to have your faith to, to be able to take those. Because if not, you're just going to be taking shots for no reason. Put your shield up. Then take this helmet of salvation. You've got to protect your head, and this is the finality of it. This is salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That is your weapon against this adversary. So what is most attacked? Truth, word of God, we're taking arrows. We're just standing out in the middle of the field wondering why it hurts. Because we're not ready. We haven't put on these things. How firm is the belt of truth wrapped around you right now? Or is your concept or foundation of truth a little shaky? Because it's getting hit. How firm is your helmet on or are you doubting your salvation? And then, do we even yield the weapon of the sword, which is the word of God? Or have we dismissed the word of God as, as a nice series of writings? It's got some helpful life advice. Not everything is true. Not everything. There's some false things in there. It, there's a lot of errors. There's lots of, con- there's lots of things. And the slowly but surely, that sword gets a little weak, and eventually you get like the, the nerf sword. So that's the struggle, is we're slowly being convinced not to put our armor on. And then we're walking out in the battle, and we wonder why it hurts. And he's saying this from prison, saying this is real, guys. This is the reality of the situation you are going to find yourselves in. You have to take this seriously. So why are we surprised when we take these hits? I don't know where along the way we bought into the lie of once you become a Christian, if something bad happens to you, something must be wrong. You, you signed up for puppies and rainbows. You signed up. Once you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, man, the road smooths out. And nobody says that. But what happens is, is when we encounter these struggles or loss or pain or hurt, we immediately question our faith. We immediately question the, the creator. We immediately question God. And then we have a decision. We can either say, you know what? I wasn't ready for this battle. I need to get back in. I need to armor up. And understand that I will take some hits, or you put the shield down and you walk back into the crowd. The crowd is easier. The crowd is without a lot of hurt. You actually, everybody, a lot of more people will agree with you in the crowd. You want to get back into the herd, the nice herd that's not currently being attacked by the lion. That one looks really nice over there. Steve's on his own, right? Then what can happen, and this is what drives me, I don't, I understand why the crowd happens. Nothing attracts a crowd 
like a crowd. That happens. What bothers me is when one of our own is out, and they're, maybe they're, they, they took a stand on something, and they take, a, they take an arrow. They get hit. They get wounded. And the church and people of faith will look at that person who is currently wounded and go, huh, we should shoot them. We shoot our own wounded sometimes. We, we see the ones that, that might be struggling or maybe they're young in their faith and they take, they take an unnecessary hit and we look at them and go, why would you be so foolish? And we just push them back into the crowd and they wonder, and we as the people of faith are you know, just kind of mocking or slowly like saying, you know what? I wouldn't have taken that hit. I am much stronger. Well, maybe you are now. But we have to teach people to put on this armor. But what happens is, is we, we set ourselves apart, even from our own faith community, as if we are better or more enlightened, and totally forgetting that we once were young too, not physically, spiritually. There's a guy a couple years ago, um, here at Eastridge actually, got his first Bible that when I baptized him when he was 74. With his whole life outside of that. Got his first Bible and we baptized him, had a great day. And there's some things that he didn't get right away. But we're slowly working and building and developing this armor because he's taken some hits recently. But he has his faith. And if we wonder why, maybe some, maybe your kids or people around us are, are leaving their faith, it's because they're taking hits. Culture will consume you. Culture and the enemy is always trying to pull you back into the easier crowd because if you stand out, you're a threat. And if you are a threat, you will be attacked. And if you're not a threat, that's because you're in the crowd. I want, when we wake up in the morning, Satan to go, oh, shoot, he's up. He fights against what I want for this world. But you have to answer the question at the beginning of this is, do I even believe that there is an enemy? Now, this isn't like everything's the devil. It's like Waterboy and his mom, right? That's such a guy joke, okay? Not everything is. Sometimes you just make poor decisions. Sometimes you just get selfish, we make poor decisions, and we have consequences for that. However, there is those whispers, and they're normally going to center and circle around your faith. You don't have time for this. Don't stand up for Jesus. Don't just be quiet. I know there's a lot going on. There's no sense in sharing your faith. It may offend some people. And all of a sudden, you find yourself looking exactly like the crowd. Because that's easier. And Paul wraps this up at the end. Let's go to verse 18. And he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Be alert. And pray for me, he says. Paul, very, this is, this is kind of, something must have been happening in this jail. Pray for me. 
that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Who is he talking to? The guards. That's his mission field right now. So even in the midst of this, I'm going to tell these guards about Jesus. And he says, now I am an ambassador in chains. An ambassador is a representative. It's someone, when we have the ambassador to France, and he's representing America to in France. He's like, he's going to stand up and kind of say, here's what America thinks of this. He's an ambassador in chains. Pray that I don't lose my boldness, effectively. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. I know what I should do. I should do this fearlessly. Pray that I will. Because this is real, and I imagine pretty scary. He's saying this from prison. How are we doing with that? How are we doing in, in advancing or standing, even just standing firm? The, there's no declaration of, of movement in this armor imagery. He's just saying, just stand. Are we standing or are we constantly retreating? Or are we constantly, you know, saying, okay, you can have that, sorry, um, or apologizing? The gospel in and of itself is offensive because it says that we must declare that Jesus Christ is, is the Savior. And without him, there is no access or entry to the Father. That's hard to say in a culture that rejects that because that is very exclusive. And that's hard to live because we don't want anybody mad at us. You know? That doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when somebody, you know, doesn't, you know, not even admire but just says, hey, he's a, he's a cool guy, but he's one of those Christians. And Paul is saying, pray that I may keep this going even in prison when it's hard. I'm going to read this again because I think it's important. Let's go back to verse 10. Finally, be strong. Not in your own power, in his mighty power. And put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on this armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Culture is coming. Darkness, evil, pain, struggle, hurt, the adversary. There's a, there's a Christ, but there's also an anti. And when this world is beginning to kind of close in around, we have to be battle ready. We have many, many, quote unquote, you know, soldiers for Christ without proper armor on. And they're going to run out in the middle of that field. They're going to take a few arrows and they're going to get hit. They're going to drop their faith and wander back into the crowd because that's way easier. So what do we got to do? We have to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. What is truth in the first place? That is the thing under most attack right now. 
What is even the concept of truth? We have to stand firm with that belt right around us saying, truth is Jesus. And with this breastplate of righteousness in place around us, with our feet fitted in the readiness of the gospel, in addition to that, we've got to take up this shield because we can't just take all these arrows in and just get hit in the face, right? So you've got to take up this shield, and you're gonna, there, that doesn't mean the enemy's not going to attack. He's going to attack. Take this helmet and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That is your weapon against everything that is happening. So how are we doing? How strong is your truth? How strong is your sword? Do you have your helmet of salvation on? Because it's real. And this battle isn't against flesh and blood. That's what he's closing this encouraging letter saying, congratulations, you're in a battle. Congratulations. If we live this, we stand out. And we have to be willing to take some hits. Because Jesus commanded us to be unique, to be holy, to be separate, and to stand out. Even in the midst of a culture trying to consume you. So that is our identity. And that's why it's in crisis. Because we have to establish ourselves firmly on the foundation of truth. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, may we not go into this battle unprepared. May we as believers and followers of Christ take seriously that though we may struggle, though we may take some hits, we firmly have placed our faith and trust in you. That though there is an adversary out there, we are prepared. And Lord, this morning, if we are taking hits currently, may we get stronger. May we not lay our shield down. May we dive into the word of God, dissect it, understand it, and live it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us as we continue with worship.